The key to preparedness is planning. This is episode 747 of the Prepper website, I mean, Ready Your Future podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's episode, Task-Driven Preparedness. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that can help you get ready for a better future. All article links and show information can be found in the show notes. Hey, are you looking to up your preparedness knowledge? Don't spend time bouncing around the internet for the best preparedness content. Instead, sign up for the top preparedness articles and get them right in your email. For $5 a month, you can get the top preparedness articles from around the internet sent to your email weekly. You can choose to read them or drop them in the Pocket app and have them read to you as you go about your day. The Buy Me a Coffee link to the top preparedness articles is in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode. Hey, just want to remind you, as you heard at the very beginning, that uh, I'm rebranding or renaming the podcast. And so it is going from the Prepper Website Podcast to the Ready Your Future Podcast. So I'm probably going to go one more week and then officially change the name and the artwork uh, of the podcast. So you won't have to do anything in your podcast app. Um, I just want to let you know that the name and also the artwork is going to change. So you're not going to see the the white background with the black microphone that says Prepper Website Podcast. You're going to see Ready Your Future. And so you're going to see some different artwork. But I just want to let you know, I want to give people enough time just in case they are skipping maybe episodes and uh, just uh, want to give everybody a heads up. But if you want to do a little bit of exploring, you can check the links in the show notes or go over to readyyourfuture.com. I've been working like a crazy man over there. My wife is like, what have you been doing, you know, all this weekend? I'm like, I'm just trying to update the website and move things over and get everything to where it uh, it needs to be. So you can go kind of see my progress over there. Hey, I want to thank you for rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, When you do, it helps others find the podcast. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into this article. It comes to us from survivalblog.com. It is a great article. I think it's one of those that we really need to pay attention to it because preparedness, truly, if you really want to do it right, you need to plan for it. So this article is called, again, Task-Driven Preparedness Planning. It's over at survivalblog.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes. You can always go to it. A lot of great information over at Survival Blog. So you want to make sure you you hit that and uh, check it out. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into this one. I have a couple of things to share as we, as we move through. At its core, preparedness is a planning activity. We think about what bad things can or may happen and take steps to help ensure our survival if one or more of those events does occur. But what is it that drives that planning? Many of us tend to take a list-driven approach. We identify the types of resources we think we'll need to survive, such as food, water, medical supplies, plans, skills, etc. We evaluate relevant factors such as our location, weather, family, and finances, then make or find lists of what we think we'll need to increase our chances of surviving. These resources typically fall into one of several categories. Materials, like tools, equipment, supplies, etc., Environmental, like your location, housing, etc. Social, like your friends, your community, etc. Information, information on how to do something, what to do, etc. Another category is skills, being able to effectively apply that information. And then also that would be uh, what that would include experience. Then plans, 
are their predefined and usually documented organized collection of activities, checklists, and procedures, and then time, the average time required for this task. Based on these categories, here are some examples of how preparedness planning is frequently done for most event types. So let's look at medical. We know we'll need medical supplies such as bandages, antibiotics, sutures, etc. So those are the materials. We know that we're going to need books on first aid. So that's that information piece. We know that there needs to be someone in our group that knows how to perform the procedures. So that someone would be the social aspect and then the procedures would be the skills and preferably someone with a medical background of some kind. And that is that experience piece. Then we can look at the food and we can apply these categories to food. We know we'll need stored food, seeds, and tools. Those are the materials. We need somewhere to grow and raise the food. That is the environment. We need books on growing, raising, and or harvesting food. That is the information. We need people that have grown food or raised livestock and hunted fish. So that is that social aspect and also then the skills and the experience piece there. Uh, we need, uh, so we need the hunting, fishing methods, and that's going to be information there as well. And then supplies, again, going back to the materials for preserving food and planting schedules, that is a plan. So let's look at defense. So we know we'll need weapons and ammunition. Again, that's that materials piece. We know that we need a defensible location. That's your environment. We need to be familiar with the use of the weapons. That's information and also skills. And we need defined response procedures. That would be your plans category. So these are just some basic examples of what many people tend to consider when doing preparedness planning. And all of these are perfectly valid ways to help you prepare. However, based on my experience over the years of trying out many new activities, I found that a simple linear checklist approach tends to fall short when reality hits you over the head. Take hunting, for example. I wanted to get into deer hunting about 15 years ago, so I went out and found a hunting checklist on a well-respected hunting website, then purchased or acquired everything I thought I'd need based on that list. For example, a hunting rifle, some ammo, appropriate hunting clothes, game processing gear, a license, etc. I also watched a few videos online, read a few books, spent some time at the range with my new rifle, and talked to some locals about the best hunting spots. After a few weeks, I got together with a friend and we went on our first hunt. And needless to say, it was a disaster. The gear was heavy. It took a lot longer to get to the spot we were looking for. It was cold and raining. There were tons of other hunters out there, etc. And even if we managed to bag a deer, I'm not sure we would have been very successful at processing it and hauling it back out. I've learned a lot since that first trip, but many of the problems could have been mitigated if I'd understood that deer hunting is a series of tasks and activities with a lot of variables and unique requirements and planned for those appropriately. For the sample scenario in this discussion, I'm going to assume that a major disaster has occurred. Public services such as water, sewer, electricity, law enforcement, etc. aren't available and you're forced to adopt a completely self-sustaining lifestyle for an extended period, more than one year, to ensure that you and your family's survival happen. All right, so uh, I don't see one of my, one of my issues. So this is Todd doing a little bit of commentary here. One of my issues is when we always look at things that are 
like the poop hits the fan, like it's like the end of the world and zombies and, you know, nothing is working. Um, you know, that is like survival and that is preparedness. That is the ultimate, but that's not what most people experience. Right. But again, for this article and for the, the understanding of this scenario, I think it's helpful but again, I think we could have done this in, in a different uh, in a different light that would have helped people understand it on a on a more practical level. And I might talk about that here as we get. Well, actually, I will talk about that here when we get to the end. And I won't go into a lot of detail, but I'll just I'll kind of give you my my example that I've used. Actually, if you've been a listener of the podcast before, you've probably heard my example that I'm going to share. All right. So uh, moving on with this article. For my example, I'm also assuming you're living in a house, cabin, or some other structure and not engaging in a nomadic lifestyle. The same task-driven planning process will work for pretty much any type of scenario, but I choose to focus on ones that are most relevant for me. All right, so identifying what tasks are going to be relevant or necessary in a post-disaster environment and determining the requirements for successfully accomplishing them can be a critical first step for many preparedness planning. Simple things such as your morning routine may require a wide range of preparations you may not have considered in order to accomplish this successfully. There may also be conditions or dependencies such as seasons, security state, etc. that necessitate modifying your approach to a task. It's impossible to identify and plan for every possible task and every possible unique combination of activity, condition, or dependency. But by considering the most common and likely ones, you'll gain valuable insight into how well prepared you actually are. Note that if you currently live a completely off-grid, self-sustaining lifestyle, you're probably already learned most of the hard lessons necessary to effectively support your day-to-day tasks and activities. Tasks can be described at different levels of detail. Everything from, I'm going to survive, to, I'm going to move some firewood, firewood indoors. In many instances, it helps to break a broader task down into a group of more specific tasks or activities. This is referred to as decomposition. Once you've done that, it becomes simpler to identify what resources are relevant and required to accomplish the activities that make up the task. Let's start with a simple task, getting up in the morning and getting ready for the day. We can decompose this task into several smaller tasks and activities. All right. Really quick, I love this approach. I've talked about this before, and I think this is the way that we should go when we talk about planning. Is we start breaking things down into smaller pieces. We start chunking it, and we and it's easier to manage. When you think about preparedness as a whole, I need to get prepared, right? I need to get my life prepared. I need to get, uh, you know, my family prepared. I need to do all these things. It seems like such a big task. And a lot of people will shy away from it because it's so big, they can't wrap their minds around it. But when you start to break it down into little tasks, it it becomes a lot more manageable. All right, so let's go ahead and, and look at the way he decomposes this. So starting with the morning routine, it's broken up into sleeping, waking up, moving around, getting dressed, performing bodily functions, brushing your teeth, washing your face, eating breakfast, and cleaning up. Now, let's take a look at some things you need to consider for each of these. To begin with, where are you sleeping? If you're in a multi-bedroom house, will everyone be sleeping in their own bedrooms? That's probably fine in moderate weather, but if it's winter with sub-zero temperatures, how are you going to heat all of those rooms? If everyone's going to move into a single room close to your heat source to stay warm, 
Do you have viable sleeping arrangements for everyone? Moving a California king and several queen or full beds into a single room might be difficult. And for me personally, telling my wife she has to spend the winter sleeping on an inflatable air mattress in the living room next to the wood stove will probably significantly reduce my chances of survival. If the security situation warrants it, do you need someone to stand or watch all night? How many people and for how long? Who's qualified? Is the schedule fixed or does it change? What if someone's sick or injured? What if there's a fire while everyone's asleep? What if an intruder alarm goes off? If you're all sleeping near a wood-burning stove, what if there's a buildup of carbon monoxide? How will you wash bed linens and who's responsible for doing so? A post-disaster world isn't the kind of place where sleeping late every day lends itself to survival. You're going to have tons of tasks to do like farming, hunting, repairs, security, cutting firewood, etc. So you'll need to wake up early every day to get everything done. If you're the kind of person that naturally wakes up early every day, this part shouldn't be an issue. However, if you're like a lot of folks, you'll probably sleep late in the morning unless you have some assistance like an alarm clock. If you're thinking you'll just use your cell phone to wake up like like you currently do, you'll need to ensure you have the appropriate infrastructure to keep your phone charged, like a solar system or another alternative power system. If you will rely on alternative power on an alternative power system, can you keep it operating for as long as you need it? If you want to use a battery, USB, or AC-powered alarm clock, the same considerations regarding power apply. If you can't or don't want to support an alternative power system, you'll probably want a wind-up alarm clock. Another option is a solar-powered watch with alarms like the Casio AQS810W. What time do you need to get up so you have enough time to accomplish the day's task? Does anyone need to stay awake for a security or a fire watch? You'll most likely find that you're going to need to get up really early on most days in order to get everything done that needs to be done. So it may be dark when you get up depending on the time of year. How will you get around a dark house early in the morning? A flashlight will require some ways to charge batteries and a lantern will require some kind of fuel. Once you're up and about, you should probably get dressed. Does everyone lay out their clothes the night before or do they have to locate them? What's the right clothing to wear for the day's weather and activities? Clean clothes is important for hygiene as well as extending the life of the clothing. How are you going to wash clothing and who's going to do it? After you're dressed, most people will need to perform some bodily functions. If you're currently on a septic system, you should be able to continue using that, but you'll need some way to get water into the toilet tank to flush it. Will you have a powered well and pressure tank? If so, you'll need a power infrastructure. Will you use a bucket of water to fill the tank each time? How does the bucket get filled? Will you be using an outhouse? If it doesn't already exist, how will you build it and maintain it? What about in the middle of the winter when there's deep snow? Will you be using an indoor solution like a five-gallon bucket with the toilet lid part or all of the time? How will it be emptied and how will the odors be managed? How will you clean yourself afterwards? Will you stock toilet paper? If so, how long will it last? Will you use a portable bidet and washcloth solution? If so, how will you keep the bidet filled with water and wash the cloth afterwards? Once that's done, you should probably wash up and brush your teeth. Hygiene is critical to preventing the spread of disease and keeping your body healthy. How will you get clean water for washing and brushing your teeth? What will you use for soap short-term and long-term? How about toothpaste and toothbrushes? How will you dispose of the water once you're done? What about towels for drying off?
Once you're awake, clean, and refreshed, you'll most likely want to eat breakfast. Who's responsible for making breakfast? Is it each to their own or will it be a family affair? Where does the food come from? Will it be cold or cooked? If it's cooked, what's it cooked on and what fuel is required? What utensils are required? What's on the menu for each meal? And after you've eaten, you'll need to clean up the kitchen and the dishes. Who does the cleanup? What do you do with any food scraps? Where do you get water for washing? What do you use for dish soap? All right, guys, so th there's a lot of questions there, and we're just looking at the morning, like we're you know waking up and then getting to, to breakfast and after breakfast. So there's a lot of questions there, a lot of things to think about, but this is where that, that task planning, where you start breaking it down, start thinking it through. And again, there's a lot of questions, but it really isn't that hard when you start thinking it through. And so I'll, uh, I'll walk through my scenario as well a little bit later on. The article moves into mapping it all out. And so uh, this author creates a, a, a nice little spreadsheet. And so let's go ahead and talk about this. In order to better understand each task and its associated preparedness factors, I like to create a table like the one shown below. Note that I actually do these for all of my tasks in LibreOffice Calc spreadsheet, which allows me to create a separate worksheet for each task, link dependencies to other worksheets, link to worksheets containing my inventories, and etc. Okay, so for those who aren't familiar, familiar the LibreOffice Calc uh, spreadsheet, that is part of the LibreOffice suite. It's kind of like, uh, it is a free open source version of Microsoft, basically the Microsoft Office suite. So if you don't want to pay for Microsoft, you can use that. And uh, there are, I've used it before. There are some challenges to it. Um, it's, it works pretty similarly, but there are some differences if you're used to using the, the Office suite. But anyway, that's where he's coming from here. So I'm going to look at this table and I'm not going to discuss it all. Now, definitely you'll, you know, go to the, the article to, to check it out. I'm going to re read just a couple of them. But looking at this uh, spreadsheet, he has columns for every, uh, you know, for every one of those categories that he had mentioned before. So, for instance, acti the activity, there's a column for the activity. There's a little note section here. There is a, uh, the category of material, the category of environment, the category of social, the category of knowledge, the category of skills, and a category or column for plans. So looking at just the sleeping row, and then I'll read a couple of other ones here as we go down. Uh, for sleeping, or sleeping is the activity. In the notes section, it says bedrooms, three for three seasons, and then the living room in the wintertime. The material is the cots for winter and bedding for cots and then normal beds and bedding. There's nothing in environment, nothing in social, nothing in knowledge, nothing in skills. But for under plans, there is the winter sleeping arrangements. All right. And he talks a little bit about it more in depth as we go through the article. All right. So I'm going to skip down to body function. So um, looking at the notes, we're talking about the toilet and the septic system. Uh, for materials, we're looking at non-potable water, uh, toilet paper, the bidet, drying cloth. For environment, we're looking at water source and then privacy. And then we skip all the way over to the skills and then it's like using the bidet. And so, uh, yeah, if you, uh, that might take or might require some skills there. Let's look at uh, breakfast, right? So uh, breakfast is the activity. And then the notes is going to be cook on the wood stove in the wintertime and small wood grill otherwise. 
And then looking at the material section, it's going to be food, potable water, utensils, pots and pans, grill, flatware, napkins, tang. Yay for the tang. It's been a long time since I drank some tang. And then coffee. And then looking at the environment, of course, you're going to need a water source. And then there's nothing there until you get to the skill section. And so uh, you will need some uh, skills in kindling fire, you know, building a fire and then cooking on a wood stove uh, and then regular cooking. So those are listed there. All right. So let's go ahead and continue on with, uh, with this article here. The first row in this example is sleeping. I plan on using our normal bedrooms when the temperature permits and move everyone into the living room with a wood burning stove during the cold season. For material, we're going to need our normal beds and bedding for warmer weather and smaller folding cots to fit into the living room in the winter. Nothing special for environmental, social, knowledge, or skills is needed, but I want to create a plan for laying out the living room for winter sleeping. I'd like everyone to get eight hours of sleep. And there are several other tasks and plans that can have an impact on our sleeping plans. Here are the dependencies. The environmental are the heating, cooling, processing, and storing of firewood, start and maintaining a fire in the wood stove, etc. The washing, washing bedding is our bedding will need to be washed regularly, which is part of the overall hygiene plan. And then security. Our current security state will determine if we need a standing watch during the night and which will impact sleep schedules. So I'm not going to discuss every row in the table, but hopefully you'll get you, it'll get you a starting point for how to go about planning for all of the various tasks and activities that you may need to accomplish in a grid down scenario. These plans can also be extremely useful even for short-term disasters. For example, if we lose power for several days during a major blizzard, we'll be able to use the results of this planning to get by and return to normal once the power is restored. All right, I really wished he would have used that blizzard uh, aspect of it because I think that's more relevant to to people. Um, you know, I mean, it's gonna be it's not gonna be relevant to me. I mean, <laughs> living in in the south, but it's gonna be more relevant and real because more people have gone through blizzards than a complete total collapse of society. So um, anyway, that's just kind of my idea there. Uh, although I, I completely understand, I. I tend to think short-term and very long-term, you know, what if this happened? So I, com I completely understand. But, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate what he was saying here that these things are going to apply. These The plans that you make, the thing about planning and things about preparedness is that it's universal. For, for one asset, it's going to work for, you know, being in a blackout. Uh, it's going to work for, you know, complete collapse of society. It's going to work for, you know, the grid going down. It's going to work for the county turn, turning off water at the front of your neighborhood for whatever reason, you know. So all those, all that planning will work because it's universal. All right. So moving on with this article. So far, I focused on a single task like the morning routine, but I tend to take planning to a higher level and created a series of plans that cover a wide range of functions, which each with each plan covering multiple tasks and activities. Here's a partial list of my current preparedness plans and some of the tasks that they cover. So daily activities would be like sleeping, morning routine, daily activities, planning. Then you have power, the solar setup and operation, batteries, charging devices, environmental, like heating, firewood, starting and maintaining a, a, maintaining a fire, cooling, Hygiene, bathing, washing clothes, bedding, hand washing, food, growing, harvesting, hunting, cooking, preserving, security, alarm systems, security states, 
uh, watches, response plans, home defense, evacuation, a plan in case we have to bug out of our home in a hurry. Communications would uh, include radios, code names and phrases, schedules, etc. And then storage describes where all material referenced in the other plans is located. So each task-based plan is in a separate LibreOffice Calc spreadsheet, which with separate worksheets for each task. I created a standard naming convention for things that appear in the materials, knowledge, skills, etc. columns, so I can easily extract those columns into consolidated lists and compare them to what I actually have or know in order to identify gaps in my preps. I print and regularly update hard copy versions of all of the plans, and I've spent time reviewing them with my family and trusted friends to ensure everyone knows where they are and how to use them. All right. I love that aspect that he reviews them with the family. So family is, seems to be on board. At least that's what I'm I'm taking here. It could be that he just lets them know, hey, here are the plans in case we need to prepare. They might not be completely on board with all of the things that would need to be to, to be done. They might not be familiar with the plans itself. They might just know where they are. So I'm not clear exactly uh, on on what is said here, uh, if if that's the case, but. Any, any kind of planning that you have, you really, if, you, if you're going to be successful, it needs to be communicated and understood by your family members. Again, that's going to be one of those hard things if your family members aren't on board in preparedness. I think it's a lot easier going through some of the things that we've gone through recently, you know, with COVID and shortages and, uh, you know, winter storm Yuri down here, Hurricane Harvey fires and floods that you have, you know, on the West coast and all the different things that are going on. I think when you start talking from, from that approach, I think people are more apt to respond and they would be more willing to look at the plans and, and understand them. So, uh, I think family definitely needs to be included in your plans. All right. One final paragraph here. Focusing on tasks instead of just stuff for your pre preparations is a great way to help identify things you may not have thought of as part of your preparedness planning. However, it's critical to understand they are just plans and reality may have other ideas, so you need to be flexible enough to respond to changing conditions. I've invested a lot of time and effort in my planning, and it's helped me identify a lot of things that I hadn't considered. And as a result, I like to think I'm a lot more prepared than I would be without the planning. But in a nod to Richard Bach's Messiah's Handbook, on the front cover of each of my plan notebooks is the phrase, everything in this book may be wrong. All right. Great article again over at survivalblog.com. Guys, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can go check it out. All right, so let's talk a little bit uh, about this. Uh, I, I think that planning needs to be part of your preparedness because if not, you're just going to get stuff. And I've talked about that before, where when before Prepper website, before the podcast, when I was getting into it, I would go to the grocery store, I would go to Walmart, I would go to a sporting goods store, and I would just be like, okay, what do I need to survive? You know, and this was like really, really early on. And you're kind of just like, where do, where do you even start? And any advice to new, new uh, preppers or people who want to be ready for emergencies would be you need to plan. So I would encourage you to kind of run through this, um, this, you know, run through the scenario in this article 
and do it for yourself and do what makes sense for you. You might not want to do a full-blown spreadsheet, a one worksheet for every single task and link it and do all these different kinds of things. That might not be you. Some people need to be able to see that. You might need to be able to just write it down in a journal, you know, the, a, a prep journal. And I'm starting to believe that the prep journals are more and more and more are uh, so valuable just for you to be able to write things down so that you remember and uh, you have them available and then also for your family to, to have them. But anyway, going back to a scenario, let's let's talk a little bit about a morning routine and let's just say that it's a blackout. And um, for whatever reason, you know, we're, we're hear, hearing that there's going to be uh, blackouts and brownouts and things like that. I'm not talking about the whole grid going down or, you know, from a terrorist attack or anything like that. I'm just talking about you wake up in the morning. This has happened to us before uh, here. You wake up in the morning and you don't have power for whatever reason. Um, you know, the power grid has uh, you know, people have been using so much power. It's down or whatever it might be. So you wake up in the morning and, uh, you know, I, I use my alarm clock on my cell phone. So if there's a blackout, that is still going to be working and that's going to wake me up. Getting up, going to the, going to the restroom, you know, that the water running is not dependent on electricity. So I'm good there. I can even jump into the shower if I need to. Uh, I might, it might be dark. Right. So I might not if it's if it's uh, well, and it is usually when I'm waking up, there's no, you know, it's not morning or at least the sun's not up is what I'm trying to say. So I can use the flashlight on my phone to get me to where I need to, you know, get one of my flashlights, which I'm kind of like I've got flashlights all over the place, but maybe I need a lantern. I have a lantern easily accessible to where I can use that to go uh, take into the restroom. I can use the restroom there. I can take a shower if I need to, because again, the water is not dependent on the electricity going. I might not have hot water, but I can take a shower if I need to. I can wash my face. I can brush my teeth. I can do all those different kinds of things. Then it's going to be, all right, maybe I need to get ready for work. And so, you know, what am I going to do? I'm probably not going to open up my refrigerator because the, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, you know, ruin the food there. I want it to stay as cold as possible. So I'm going to go ahead and make sure that, uh, you know, that stays closed. Uh, I'm going to want to uh, have some coffee so I can easily use the, I have a stovetop type of coffee maker, you know, the old percolating kind that you would use on, you know, for camping on a campfire or whatever. I can use that inside and, uh, you know, just uh, on my stove because I've got a gas grill or if it is really warm and I don't want to uh, use the heat inside of the house, I can go outside and I can use a camping stove out there and I can, uh, you know, have coffee and ready to go that way. Or I could possibly choose, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to work and they have coffee at work. And I'm just going to go ahead and drink coffee there. Or I'm going to stop at the, the gas station and, and get a cup, a cup of syrupy coffee there or whatever it might be. I might not even you know, run that risk. So one of the things that you might want to do here, and everyone's morning routine is a little bit different, is you, you know, if you could on a weekend or on a day that you're not working, go through your routine and then sit down and write it down. Okay, what did I do? First thing that I did when I woke up this morning was I went to the restroom. Okay, was was it dark? 
was you know could I see? And if I could see, was it because I have a nightlight or was it because uh, light was coming in through the window? And so if you you know light was coming through the window, you're usually good. If it was dark and you turned on the light, okay, I need to have some source of light available to me if I need to go to the restroom. And then moving through everything that you did, kind of writing it down, what would I need to be able to do this task of getting ready in the morning? Now, the spreadsheet, like I would never do a spreadsheet because to me, that's just a lot of work for something that I I feel like I already know in my head what I would do, you know? And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't wind up doing all of those things that way. But for some people, that's going to be important. Again, um, just being able to sit down and like, what kinds of things would I've needed to have? If it was, let's say you weren't going to work, uh, it was truly, you know, uh, a blackout or a grid down situation and you wanted to have coffee, do you have a coffee, you know, uh, a stovetop coffee percolating uh, maker that you can just kind of throw on there? Do you have a way to heat that? If it's not, if you have an electric stove, do you have a way to do that? Do you have a barbecue grill with a with a, a stove top uh, or a, a burner on it on the side? Or do you have a camping stove? Or do you have a butane stove? Or do you have a way to do that, build a fire and to have coffee in the morning or cook your food and those different kinds of things? So sitting down and walking through every step, I believe, helps you to plan for what you have and what you don't have. And then if you have family members that are, you know, on board with you, you can even kind of talk through those things with your family members. Hey, what kinds of things do we do in the morning? Let's walk through our morning. What does it look like? What let's walk through our evening. What, you know, our, our, our evening, you know, kind of like uh, uh, shutdown, you know, what does that look like? You know, are we going to be able to stay up when it gets dark? If we stay up really late, do we have candles? Do we have lighting? Do we, you know, are we going to be able to set our alarm or, you know, whatever it looks like going through those scenarios and being able to figure out what needs to happen, what you need to add to your preparedness and what, you know, if there are any plans and things like that, you can talk through those and have them have them ready to go. The thing is, is that when you're in the midst of an emergency situation, like if if the grid went down and things were relatively calm in the world, you could kind of work through some of these things, right? I mean, you can just kind of figure these things out, talk them through, figure out, you know, where everyone's going to sleep and all that kind of stuff. But if things are chaotic and things are crazy, you know, having plans like that just makes it so much easier. Hey, we're going to put a cot here. We're going to put a bed here. You know, you're going to sleep over there and this all works out. Everyone can get a decent night's rest. We're not going to have to stay up trying to figure all this out. But then also it helps helps you to fill in the gaps of what kind of gear you need. And that way you're not just bouncing around and reading an article or watching a video or listening to a podcast and listening to someone say, hey, you need this piece of gear. You're going out and buying it. And then you really don't have anywhere where it fits into your preparedness. So very important to plan out your preparedness and what you need. The bottom line is that a lot of us would already have what we need to be able to uh, be better prepared. We just don't know it. 
you know, we, you know, when you start thinking through all the things that you need or have, I mean, you might want uh, a nicer lantern or a nicer flashlight or, you know, uh, a way to cook food outside. So you're not heating up your, your home. But for the most part, we all know, uh, or we all have what we, what we need for the most part. And then, so you're just adding there and you're not spending so much time and preparedness does not become this huge monster that you're like, this is so big that I can't wrap my head around it. When you begin to decompose, like, like this article talked about and breaking down tasks, it becomes really easy to plan out your preparedness. All right, guys, like I said, that's uh, over at survival blog. I'm going to link to it. Hopefully you can go check that one out. Hey, let me end with this. If you're enjoying listening to this podcast, you will enjoy listening to audiobooks. I use Audible as my app and audio store of choice. If you don't have Audible, you can join for free for 30 days. You can enjoy listening to Audible originals, podcasts, even sleep tracks and audiobooks. If you are already an Amazon Prime member, you will get two free audiobooks to keep even if you don't keep the membership. So to get more information, visit audiopreps.com. I have li- also listed a few audiobooks there that I have listened to if you need some ideas. Again, that's audiopreps.com or click the link in the show notes. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 747. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Make sure you click the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Readiness Goodness. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF on 25 handpicked preparedness articles that you should read. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next time, live with no regrets and stay prepped and aware. Peace.